This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. Time for the consumer news from the past week. The British Columbia government wants to improve the reliability of BC ferries. And for anybody who lived through all the chaos they had this past summer, it can't come too soon. Tons of sailing waits, last-minute cancellations. Most of it was blamed on a lack of staff and mechanical problems. So what is the government going to do about it? For one, it plans to penalize BC ferries whenever they cancel any core service sailings. And that's just one idea. A statement from the Ministry of Transportation says details of the plan to improve the reliability of the ferry service will be confirmed next spring. That statement also says that the province has renewed its contract with BC Ferries for another four-year term, ending in March of 2028. And the new agreement adds more than 1,400 round-trip sailings every year. And these are sailings that they list as core services. So these are the runs that are the most popular. They call it grandparent fraud. Scammers who target seniors, often calling them on the phone, claiming to be a grandchild who's in desperate need of money. And sadly, it often works. But police in Quebec believe they have busted up a grandparent fraud ring operating out of Montreal, allegedly targeting seniors, mostly living in the U.S. Provincial police in Quebec say they suspect the ring has ties to organized crime. The 10 suspects who were arrested are facing charges including fraud, identity theft, and gangsterism. And it seems like less and less people smoke cigarettes these days, but are we headed for a day when nobody will smoke? In England, British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak wants to almost completely phase out smoking among young people as soon as 2040. The plan is to raise the legal age that people in England can buy cigarettes by one year, every year, until it applies across the board. If Parliament approves this proposal, the legal change would only apply in England, but not Northern Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. They also say that smoking will not be criminalized. The Nobel Prize in Physics was awarded this past week to three scientists for their work with electrons that race around the center of each atom. These electrons are fundamental to everything from chemistry and physics all the way to our own bodies and our gadgets, electronic gadgets. And uh, the work that these scientists are doing could one day lead to better disease diagnoses and, of course, more powerful and efficient electronic devices. And to understand how an electron travels, these scientists looked at one quintillionth of a second. That's known as an attosecond. It's much like the way a photographer uses a quick shutter speed when photographing a hummingbird, but it's way faster. One quintillionth of a second. And bad news for one of Vancouver's classic Halloween events. The Vancouver Park Board announced this past Wednesday that the Stanley Park Ghost Train will not run again this year. The train is stalled because it's still in need of repairs and crews are finding it hard to find the very specialized parts. And the park board says they are confident that it will be up and running for the holiday season, the bright nights event in December.
And this is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And coming up, the big brothers and big sisters of Greater Vancouver are doing some great work helping kids who need a little extra mentoring. And coming up, what they do and how you can get involved. And it could be very gratifying for you when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And when you think about charities and community organizations, big brothers and of course, big sisters is so well known. Uh, They provide mentorship for kids who need it and have been doing it since the idea started way back in 1903. That was when a businessman in Cincinnati saw a very young boy rooting through a garbage can. And this businessman, Irvin F. Westheimer, decided to take this little boy under his wing and become what he called his big brother. It was the start of something very big, and it has spread all across North America. And here in Vancouver, things got going in 1957 when five businessmen got together in the boardroom of a bakery at the corner of Boundary and Kingsway. And uh, I noticed one of the early champions of Big Brothers was Murray Goldman. You might remember him if you're old enough. He had a clothing store in Vancouver and he was on the radio all the time. He was like a big celebrity. And you, depending on your age, you might remember Murray Goldman's jingle. Uh, There's not a single suit for sale. There's not a single suit for sale at Murray Goldman's. Uh, Anyway, uh, the organization has only gotten bigger and now Big Brothers of Greater Vancouver continues to do great work. And with us now is the communications coordinator of Big Brothers of Greater Vancouver, Norman Galimski. Hi, Norman. How are you? Hey, Martin. I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. And I'm sorry you had to hear me sing, but uh, let's talk about Big Brothers. I mean, it's I think it's one of those things that people take for granted because it's been here for so long and they feel like it's always going to be here. But what is the state of Big Brothers these days? Well, the state of, I guess, the, the bread and butter of volunteers is volunteers and volunteer recruitment. And that state is, um, it's, it's struggling, but optimistic at the same time. Right, right. So when you say struggling, is it because you just can't find enough volunteers to help? Or is it, is it a financial issue where people could uh, send money to help out? Uh, the key, the key issue really is volunteer recruitment. Um, so there isn't enough volunteers, especially um, since COVID, uh, since the pandemic. Uh, a lot, we lost a lot of volunteers for, um, and now serve a lot less children. But that is now slowly creeping back up uh, year after year with our recruitment efforts. Um, for example, uh, before the pandemic in 2019, we served more than a thousand children throughout our service uh, region in Greater Vancouver. And last year we served about 750. So we, we have a long way to go to, to kind of recover from that and find the right volunteers or enough volunteers to, to match every child that we can serve. And we, we were still growing before the pandemic, so we have lots of capacity to, to still serve even more children than more than a thousand children a year. Great. And I should mention that people can go to bigbrothersvancouver.com. That's the website if they want to get involved. Um, they can also donate money or they can become a volunteer because, uh, uh, I mean, 
when you think about it, uh, it can be tough, obviously, for a young person, no matter what era that young person is growing up in. But I would imagine uh, that things nowadays uh, are a little different. Being a kid today uh, is probably a little bit more challenging uh, with things like, you know, social media, for example, is everywhere. Would you say that it's tougher for kids these days? Oh, that's a, that's a hard question because I've only been a child once, uh, and when I was a child, there was <laughs> social media. But yes, the, the general sentiment and a lot of what the studies and uh, just um, what parents and uh, you know newly newly uh, formed adults are saying is like, yeah, it is difficult, especially with, in the, this uh, day and age of super accessible media. And we are more connected more than ever, but we're also more um, isolated more than ever in our personal lives. Yeah. And, and what, what are the kinds of kids you deal with? What's a, what's a typical case of someone who needs a big brother or a big sister? Um, well, happy to ask that question because there is no typical kid. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about peop- uh, children that are in their programs. They're, oh, they really need somebody in their life because maybe they're missing a parent. Maybe they're coming from a, uh, a more difficult economic background. That those are yes, those are truths that are sometimes part of the part of the um, background of the children in our programs. But also, it's it's really everyday um, children throughout our communities. Um, they don't. It's people who just maybe they just don't have that older brother or older sister in their life, or they don't have um, that family support like a large family support, like an uncle or something like that to lean on. So a lot of parents like to enroll their children here to have that positive role model that's that's not in a position of power like like a parent or a teacher or a, a counselor or something like that it's to have that older friend who's there to just be with you and and in the background that that's when mentorship happens it's it's not something that you sit down and do it's something that that is the little things that accumulate over time yeah yeah i guess that's true i guess a lot of people think that uh, okay i'm going to mentor you right now let's get started it's not like that it's 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 a it's more of a process where you spend time together and you kind of get to know each other and the the younger person kind of watches the older person and it's a very subtle kind of transfer of 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 things isn't it exactly that's right yeah. So, so it's, what's it's it? Actually, um, I'll, I get the privilege of interviewing and doing a lot of stories and sharing the stories of our littles and bigs, and that's that's almost word for word what you said is that, um, <laughs> like, yeah, we don't sit down and mentor. We we just hang out, we have fun, and then sometimes you know a question will pop up or a situation will arise, and then you know, and then you know how you have a you 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 play it out, you work it out, like um, you know it can be something as as benign or boring as kind of uh, time management, like, hey, you want to play video games now? Okay, well, that means we need to, we'll have less time at the P&E. And sometimes mentors, they mention these uh, that they think are a little bit kind of like boring moments, but they see it's kind of a, it's a learning moment for a child to say like, oh, you know what? There are, there are like, there's always something for something. If we do this, we can't do that. And there's all these lear- like life learning lessons along the way, whether they're small like that or, or bigger. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more valuable than teaching a kid uh, how nice it is to go for a walk in nature, for example. Exactly. Or it can be, for example, um, one of our matches that graduated last year, they one of one of their hobbies now as uh, a, <laughs> as a newly formed adult is um, 
um, learning how to invest in the stock markets and taking care of their financial future. So it can be something as important and long-term like that or something like going out for a walk and making sure that you know you take the time to take care of yourself. Yeah, that's interesting because that's one of those skills that uh, is often taught by by the people around them and it's not taught at school at school, like money skills and things like, and a lot of people think it should be taught more, but you know, things like how to save and how to do this and that. So I, I it's, it, it's interesting how all these different things, um, you know, come together. So talk about a typical experience of someone who volunteers as a big brother. I mean, what, what, it, what is the time commitment and also, um, you know, what are the, what are, what do you do? What are the experiences? Awesome. I'll just, I just want to give a little bit of background there. So when we say Big Brother, we also have other programs. You might hear Big Buddy, uh, which is typically other programs like our in-school mentoring program, which is like, um, like being a Big Brother, which is our community program, but just in school once a week. We also have mentoring with math, which is kind of like a, a fun tutoring kind of um, uh, take on mentorship. And we also have a Game On program, which is like a group setting, sports-centered thing. But to wrap back around to being a Big Brother, our community program, as we call it internally, um, typically it's, it's, you meet up once a week. We ask for like, a at the beginning, a one year commitment because we know through years and years of having this, you know, multinational, um, conglomerate of big brothers, big sisters across North America and internationally, um, that, that, uh, that time frame makes, makes for the biggest impact. So a tip usually it's always a little bit, it's always awkward at first you, when, if you're a new big brother and a, a new little buddy. Everybody says the same thing. I've, <laughs> I've talked to so many big brothers, little brothers. It's quite, it's always like, oh, there's always an ice-breaking moment. But there's always, there's always a moment where you make that connection and then everything is natural. Uh, that's only, only something you can expect. But after that, it's kind of, it's really what you get to do as, as it's what you want to do. Uh, we, we like to encourage our volunteers to have, let their little lead the way, but also sometimes, you know, uh, you're an adult, you have to sometimes lead the way yourself. So that's an opportunity to share what you love or get back into what you used to love, whether that's sports or science or getting back out in nature uh, or just, you know, trying to find the best peaches spot in Vancouver. <laughs> um, it's nothing, it's nothing crazy. And also, and part of the program, like we, we do our best to work with our community partners to provide really cool experiences, whether that's sailing or kayaking or going to science world or other activities around uh, the lower mainland. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's a great experience for an older person who, who maybe just wants to get connected to the community because, because I, I, I guess it's really one of those things where you don't know who's getting more out of it, the older person or the younger person. <laughs> That's true. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned it. When you say older, it seems, um, it seems, uh, it seems like older I think we all have a different perspective of what older means, depending on what, uh, what part of our life we're on. But um, just for your context, um, more than half of our, we have volunteers from 18 till retired. But more than half of our volunteers really are between the ages of 18 and 35. So um, I think it surprises a lot of people when they hear that. But, um, yeah, anybody can volunteer. And sorry, can you repeat that question again? I just uh, I, I wanted to mention something, but I just it slipped my tongue. <laughs> well, I, w I didn't really have a question. I was just talking about who gets more out of out of the situation. Yes. Is yes, it the big brother or the, the younger <laughs> is that, person? Um, when I ask when I ask volunteers, often is like, "Hey, how do you describe this program? Like, oh, what do you get out of it?" All of them want to say they kind of say something along the same lines. I was like, "Oh, I don't want to say something cheesy because it sounds cheesy, but um, I really do learn a lot about myself, and I do learn a lot about um, like I, I do grow a lot as a person and." 
and they all they all struggle to say, well, how can I say this in a word that doesn't kind of like turn people off in a cheesy perspective? But it it is it is it is a fact that you know people get more than they put in in this program. It it really is a two way street when when you volunteer as a mentor. Right. And you mentioned age. Um, what about people? Because I always picture a, a typical big brother or big sister being the age of a, of a young parent. So what about somebody who's maybe just turned 60? Maybe their kids have left. Um, are, there, are there places for the older person as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. That's actually something that we've... Um we we come we kind of come back to and stray away from every once in a while is trying to focus on like hey let's get you know the the 60 plus community involved and we do have uh, mentors who are 60 plus who and and younger parents too who are in their late early 20s or mid 30s or 40s who um who 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 involunteer in this program we have a lot of um a lot of volunteers actually who 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 want to do this program because they're 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 thinking about having children and they're like well this is a great way to learn about What's it like to actually, like, you know, spend time with a child in a in a meaningful way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I and I guess a lot of relationships uh, get forged because I, I actually do know someone who was a big brother, and they are still close. And the the young person in the scenario is now like forty years old. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a story that you'll see repeated over and over again because these relationships, while we facilitate them up till um, graduation. Um, what families and bigs and littles decide to do with that relationship afterwards, after like graduating from programs, is up to them. And often you can hear you hear these stories about you know um, a big who mentored a little, and now the little is forty, and that that and that and that former little is now a big mentoring somebody else. So it really like these programs do have a ripple effect that really affect not only a child but also the, the community throughout the future. Yeah. And I, I just love the way you refer to them as bigs and littles. I think that's very cool. We're talking to Norman Galimsky. He's the communications coordinator of the Big Brothers of Greater Vancouver. You can go to their website, bigbrothersvancouver.com to find out everything you need to know how you can get involved. And this is like a perfect example of how the real benefit could be to you. So uh, do it. And when we come back, we'll talk to Norman about uh, what kind of people they need and how they can help. And the fact that uh, a little bit of time or a little bit of money invested today pays off big time. We'll find out just how much when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. I'm Martin Strong. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong and we're talking about big brothers. Big brothers, big sisters, of course. And uh, when you think of big brothers, uh, it's a lot of different things. And you can go to bigbrothersvancouver.com for all the information you need uh, about how you can support big brothers. It could be as simple as uh, a financial donation, which they can totally use, but they desperately need volunteers. They need people to get involved. And as we just heard, it can be a very, very fulfilling experience for someone to step in and, and get to know a younger person and mentor that young person. And uh, Norman Galimsky, the communications coordinator of the Big Brothers of Greater Vancouver, is with us. So let's talk about the type of people uh, that you need and, uh, and, and who, who is perfect to become a big brother or a big sister. 
Well, well, the positive thing is that everybody is really perfect about it, to be uh, to a big brother <laughs> or just a big in any of our problems. Um, diversity is kind of our strength. So there is no bad um, qualities for a person as long as somebody wants to, they're looking to get back in their um to get involved in their community, and they want to see the impact that they make, it, it really is kind of the perfect um, means to do it, to become a big in one of our programs. Right. And so what age group? We talked a little bit about older people, which I think is a great idea. Say people who are, maybe they're just newly retired or their their kids have left. But what about young people? How, how young can uh, can a big brother or sister be? Yeah, so we start taking, uh, we do have a teen mentoring program that lets uh, teenagers get involved. It's kind of like uh, similar to our uh, in-school mentoring program, but for teens. But um, for our adult volunteers, it starts at 18. So we accept, as, as, as soon as you turn 18, you can uh, volunteer for one of our programs. Uh, and we do have a lot of really young people uh, applying for our programs, uh, especially students, because students are looking for, one, a way to give back that, that's meaningful, and also, two, to, a way to gain a lot of skills, especially interpersonal skills and working with other people that are maybe coming from a different uh, background than they are. Yeah, and it's true, too, like on a superficial level, uh, it's good for a young person, a student, the university student, to have that on their resume. Right. Exactly. It's also a nice time once a week just to forget about everything else, like all your exams, all your homework, um, all your all your <laughs> financial problems and just hang out with uh, a young person and just have fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you must have seen uh, so many people who were a little nervous going in, wondering, well, who, how am I going to help? Uh, what's the most common thing that you hear people say once they kind of get into this program and and and. What's the most common thing that the mentors, the bigs, as you call them, uh, say to you once they get into this? No, that's a great question. Um, a lot of the mentors are, they're just nervous, like, well, you know, it's about breaking this. It's like, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's exactly what you would kind of expect. Like, well, what are we going to do? Or what are we going to talk about? And, yeah. and that's where, like, the staff on our, uh, on our end comes in to really facil- facilitate that. Uh, we call our social workers mentoring coordinators because really they're there from before the relationship starts to all the way till after the relationship ends. Um, they help uh, introduce our matches to the littles, to the bigs, and their families. Um, if there's any questions or any doubts or just advice, they're there for you to kind of talk to and um, advise you. Um, I myself was a big, and my mentoring coordinator was awesome. Every time I, had a co- I would have a mentoring question, I would just uh, call them and be like, hey, like, what do I do in this situation? Like, uh, for me, it was um, what really surprised me about uh, how we mentioned earlier, like kids are connected to social media and every kid has a phone now. And I wasn't really sure how to really deal with like them playing maybe music with explicit lyrics. And I'm like, oh, I don't don't know what this situation is. I don't know how to counter that. And that's a great way to um, kind of talk to your mentoring coordinator and um, they'll walk you through it. Yeah. And yeah, because that was my next question and you've kind of answered it, but um, mentoring a young person can be really complicated. There can be all sorts of very, very serious issues uh, and you may come up against some some pretty serious things that you may not feel qualified for. But it sounds like uh, the Big Brothers of Greater Vancouver has a pretty good support system for people. They don't have to worry about being left in the cold. 
Yeah, I, I think I think you're exactly. Right. I think it's easier, and there's always going to be some surprises. Easier than you think, and there's always going to be some surprises along the way. Um, but those surprises are learning moments, and <laughs> you really do learn about. It really gives you a more holistic understanding of um, kind of how the world works because it's being an in-school mentor or just a mentor in the community as a big brother, you, you really are kind of thrown back into that world of being a kid again. And it, it gives you perspective of how the world is working right here and right now and not kind of just in your own closed bubble as uh, an adult. Yeah. We're talking to Norman Galimsky, the communications coordinator of the Big Brothers of Greater Vancouver. Their website is bigbrothersvancouver.com. And uh, you were a big brother. What was, I mean, looking back at your experience... Uh, what would you say to someone who's just starting? What what did you get out of it? Uh, just to clarify, I was a big buddy because I was in the in-school mentoring program, so that's the distinction. <laughs> um, but uh, I was also young. a little buddy in when I was in elementary school, so I have kind of perspective from both sides of the program, where um, when I was, um, I can't really, maybe grade five or six, um, I had a couple of little bu- uh, big buddies when I was in, I think, grades at five and six that um, we just hung out. And it was really, from a child's perspective, I wasn't 100% sure what was going on, but I knew it was going to be a good time. I knew that my big buddy was going to come, and I was super stoked for it. And that's, that's something that um, all, the community, all our community partners um, share in common is that the children are always super stoked and always looking for it all week for their big buddy or their big bu- brother to come because it's sometimes the highlight of their week. Um, and can you repeat your question? I forgot what the second half I was going to Well, say. actually, I, I want to ask you about, uh, about uh, being a little buddy. I mean, sure. obviously, like you say, at the time, it was just a fun thing to do and you were spending time. And now that you've had some time as an adult to look back, what was it, what did it give you um, that you maybe didn't even know at the time, but now know as an adult? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, for me, I think especially from my background, um, I didn't have a father. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have any family uh, other than my mom in Canada. So for me, it was great to have that, that extra adult just to talk to because I didn't, as a child, I didn't really talk to a lot of adults. And it's actually, it's actually to me, I think it's an undervalued skill to be able to speak confidently to people who are older than you because um, for some children, they don't get that opportunity just for whatever life circumstances. So not only was it, you know, a positive relationship that I really looked forward to every week, it was also building skills in me that I didn't really realize at the time, but I can definitely, looking back, see how it affected me moving forward. Yeah, it's another example of uh, what we were talking about earlier about how um, it, it, it's not like you're going in there and doing a job. You're, you're just hanging out and, and the mentoring happens in between, you know, when you're not paying attention, you know what I mean? I think it's, it's just a lovely thing, this whole big brothers thing and the big brothers organization and on their website, which you go to big brothers, vancouver.com. You talk about uh, the return on investment when it comes to the big brothers program. And uh, it's very interesting to look at this because you you actually have numbers and hard facts. The fact that a little bit of time for every dollar that's spent or every hour that is spent, it really pays off in the future. Explain explain how that kind of works. Yeah, um, so that, that goes to, uh, I think that specific study is from 2010. I would have to double check that. But it, it's positive relationships lead to kind of more 
holistically developed children. They're, they're better overall, like they're taken care of socially um, and personally. So they're, they're more confident in themselves. They're more likely to go on to higher education. They're more likely to uh, experience less anxiety, less loneliness, and, and just uh, have a greater variety of life skills. So that translates into economic value in the long run. When we have more um, um, kind of hope, the word I think you for. called it holistic, you know, holistic value for the kid. Like you, like you say, like being mentored and, and just sort of spending time. Yeah. Like I don't want to say the word complete because we're all complete in our kind of certain ways in life, but it really gives you kind of a more, um, yeah, varied life perspective because we know, we know that diversity is strength and having a mentorship relationship gives you diverse experiences and diverse, for example, like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, maybe you get introduced to the world of um, finance or maybe you learn, maybe you get introduced into the world of um, active health and including that in your life or the arts and like all those, all those soft skills, all those hard skills, they, they really de- develop you as a person going forward and it makes you just in economic terms, more valuable. Mm-hmm. It pays off. And and we were talking earlier off the air about uh, the different areas of the Lower Mainland. You operate all over the Lower Mainland. Surrey is uh, a place where you could use some new volunteers, right? Yes, Surrey is uh, our greatest challenge. Uh, we've always historically had a difficult time recruiting volunteers in Surrey. Surrey is one of the fastest growing municipalities in B.C., and we have just simply not been able to kind of keep up with that that growth in uh, in in pace of uh, population. Usually, when a population is growing, it's usually young families moving into that uh, community. And for Surrey, there's a lot of families moving and continuing to move to Surrey. And in uh, April of 2021, we actually had to close um, um, our acceptance of new matches for our Big Brothers Community Program there because we simply could not keep up with the demand. Uh, at the moment, we have a weight pool, which is full right now with over 30 children waiting to be matched with a big brother, a weight pool meaning like they've gone through the paperwork process where, and are being actively, um, and we're actively looking for a volunteer and mentor to match them with. And we also have a wait list, which is kind of a short list to, to, to get back to the families that are inquiring about um, um, signing up their child for our program. So it's, it's a lot of tough conversations with families saying, like, listen, like, the wait list just to get into the wait pool is two, two and a half years, and the wait pool is two to three years. So from start to finish, a child can be waiting more than five years to get a big brother. And a lot of children age out sometimes. A lot, we've seen a lot of families inquiring to enroll their child at six years old. We start accepting children at seven years old for our program. So it's it's a really big challenge finding volunteers in Syria. And we know they're out there because we do see their applications coming in, but we simply just can't keep up with the, the, the pace of change in population and family demand in Syria. Right. So no matter where you are in the lower man, lower mainland, but especially Surrey, mm-hmm. uh, go to bigbrothersvancouver.com and find out more about how you can volunteer. Because, uh, you know, as Norman can guarantee you, the, the real value of this whole thing is going to be to you 
And uh, I think uh, I think it would be a great experience no matter what your age is. So go to bigbrothersvancouver.com. Norman Galimsky, communications coordinator of Big Brothers of Greater Vancouver. Thank you so much for talking to us and thanks for all your great work. Thank you. All right, Norman Galimsky, go to bigbrothersvancouver.com and especially if you're in Surrey, uh, sign up and I, I, I can almost guarantee you that it'll be a great experience to become a big brother. Coming up, are you an NBA fan? Well, for a week, we had our own basketball team in Vancouver, but that will end tomorrow when the Raptors play an exhibition game at Rogers Arena in Vancouver and they head back to Toronto. I've got that story when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong and this is Vancouver Consumer. The Toronto Raptors basketball team spent the past week on the West Coast. They've been training in Burnaby at the SFU campus. Their training camp wraps up today. Uh, Yesterday, they held an open practice at the university. And their first preseason game is scheduled tomorrow against the Sacramento Kings right here in Vancouver at Rogers Arena. It's the only preseason game they'll play here, but it's the first time in five years that Vancouver fans have had a chance to see them play live. Rogers Arena has been no stranger to other NBA teams playing preseason games as part as part of the NBA's Canada series, such as in 2019 when the LA Clippers and Dallas Mavericks played a game. But the Raptors always draw the most interest, even though our own Vancouver Grizzlies uh, were cruelly snatched away from us back in 2001 and moved to Memphis. Basketball fans here still hold out hope. That will get another franchise one of these days. Even the Seattle Supersonics left the West Coast when they relocated to Oklahoma City in 2008. But despite the heartbreak, local enthusiasm for the NBA is only growing here. One person who knows that all too well, and he knows how rabid Vancouver basketball fans can be, is Mark Starkey. He's the CEO of Victory Creative Group. They're a Gastown-based marketing agency that has contracts with Nike and the NBA. He's also one of the investors behind Courtside Bar. This is a brand new pub that opened earlier this year on Main Street near Broadway in Vancouver. It is completely basketball themed. And Starkey says the Courtside Bar was packed all throughout the NBA playoffs this past spring with lots of people wearing the jerseys of their favorite teams. The bar has even been finding success with retro basketball nights. Recently on a Tuesday night, they advertised on Instagram that they would be showing a game on the big screen from 1996 featuring Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And the people showed up with a lot of them showing off their colors being diehard Chicago Bulls fans. And it seems like the Toronto Raptors are aware that it's just good business to make fans in other Canadian cities like Vancouver. The Raptors GM Bobby Webster said in a statement during the announcement of this preseason game in Vancouver that the Raptors have a deep connection with Canada's West Coast and that the preseason game in Vancouver will be a great way for his team to start their new season. That game in Vancouver goes tomorrow at 5 p.m. Tickets seem to be available on the Ticketmaster website, but they aren't cheap. They range from $174 to 920 
And this is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. We are here two to four every Saturday afternoon. Uh, thanks in big part to our producer and new Canadian, Leo Coelho. We will see you next week. The news on CKNW is next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.